Welcome to day one of the sixth week of the Hope Journey. When we last left off last week, we had just seen Gideon have the courage to attack. Attack the Midianites because he got to eavesdrop on their conversation and found out that a man had a dream that the Lord was giving the Midianites into Gideon's hand. So he was successful and defeating the Midianites. And now our story picks up here. We are going to be reading Judges chapter 8, verse 1 through 12, and the NIV version. Now, the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abazar? God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. He said to the men of Sukkoth, Give my troops some bread. They are worn out and I am still pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Sukkoth said, Do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give bread to your troops? Then Gideon replied, Just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and briars. From there he went up to Peniel, and made the same request of them. But they answered as the men of Sikloth had. And he said to the men of Peniel, When I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkar, with a force of about 15,000 men, all that were left of the armies of the eastern people. A 120,000 swordsmen had fallen. Gideon went up by the route of the nomads east of Noba and Jugaba and attacked the unsuspecting army. Zeba and Zalmunna, the two kings of Midian, fled, but he pursued them and captured them, routing their entire army. What verse or verses is the Holy Spirit highlighting to you? The verse, verses, that Rue is highlighting to me is verse 1 and verse 4. Verse 1, the Ephraimites are getting upset at Gideon, coming at him, challenging him vigorously. And then verse 4 is Gideon and his men exhausted, but yet continuing the pursuit of finding the kings of Midian. Let's take today to reflect on the verses that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to us. Day 2 of the 6th 
week. Today we're just going to do the observation portion. We're going to read the passage again, Judges 8, 1 through 12, and the voice edition. And then we'll take the time to make some observations. Judges 8, 1 through 12. The Ephraimites, arguing angrily with Gideon, Why did you treat us this way? Why didn't you tell us you were going to battle against the Midianites so that we could join you? Gideon replied, Really now? What have I accomplished in comparison to you? Wouldn't you say that the gleanings left from Ephraim's grapes are better quality than the choices of Abazar's? God has given the Midianite captains Oreb and Zeb into your hands, and you have taken care of them. What have I and my 300 soldiers done compared to that? And they were calmed by this explanation. Gideon came to the Jordan, he and his 300 men, all of them tired and hungry, but they crossed to continue the chase. So he spoke to the people of Sukkoth. Gideon said, Please give some bread to my followers, for they are exhausted, and we are on the trail of the kings of Midian, Zeba and Zamuna. The elders of the Sukkoth said, have you already chopped off the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna that we should go to the trouble of feeding your army? Gideon said, All right then, when the Eternal has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hands, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and thistles. From Sekloth, Gideon went up to Penuel and had the same conversation with them, asking for bread and being answered by the men of Penuel just as the men of Sekloth. Gideon said, when I return here victorious, I will tear down your tower. Zeba and Zamuna were in Karkar with an army of about 15,000 men, all that was left from the armies of the east, for they had lost 120,000 soldiers. Gideon approached them by the caravan trail east of Noba and Jugaba, and he attacked them when they least expected it. When Zeba and Zamuna fled, he followed and captured them throwing their forces into complete disarray. Let's take a moment and hear what the Holy Spirit is helping us to observe. Here's my observation. Haters are gonna hate. Man, the battle's not over yet and already Gideon's being attacked. There's no welcoming encouragement, no patting on the back, no assistance to pursue, just bitterness and jealousy. But thankfully, Gideon knows how to defuse a situation and he keeps it moving. Tired as he and his men are, they continue the chase and then twice ask politely for bread to boost their energy and twice they're rejected. So Gideon boldly proclaims what he'll do to them after he has completed his mission. Wow. Today, let's just reflect on those observations. Day three of the sixth week.
Today we're going to do the application and prayer portion. Yesterday we observed what was going on within the passage and I shared my observation. So today we're going to just take what we've observed and see how we can apply it to our lives for the next two days. Looking at yesterday's observation made me realize that it was very evident that those who don't want to see me prosper will have no desire to help me, even if it means life or death. The minute they see me climbing the ladder to success or trying to better myself, they want to kick me down, discourage me, make me feel undeserving. And I know, I speak from experience. When I look at Gideon's experience, I see him do a few things. The first thing he does, which I will be applying, is he talked to them about their success and tries to put things into perspective. And in doing so, he diffused the situation. So when I'm faced with haters, I will, as hard as it may be, humble myself by shifting things into perspective, showing my haters that God has done great things in their lives too. Second, as tired and hungry as Gideon and his men were, they continued the pursuit. This reminds me that even when I grow weary, I will still run the race that is set before me. And last, after politely asking for bread and being rejected, Gideon tells the tribes that when God helps him catch the enemy, He's going to come back and take care of them, so to speak, and not in a good way. And this reminds me of where the Lord tells me that he will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that's good enough for me. Haters can hate all they want. As Tabitha Brown would say, that's your business. My business is doing the will of God. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you when you call us to be about your business. It can be challenging at times, but even more challenging when we have haters who try to discourage us, kick us down, don't support us, or even turn on us. And sadly, sometimes those haters are among those we know, family, friends, those we trust, those we thought we could look to for support. First and foremost, God help us to forgive them. Jesus said it best when he said, for they not know what they do. Remind us to look to you as we cherish your commandments and guide us through our race to the finish line. We thank you that vengeance is yours and you will repay, you say. As long as we continue being upright and obedient, we will never be put to shame. Thank you, Lord, that our strength is found in you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, let's take two days to live this out. Day five of the sixth week. Today, we're going to talk about how we put what we learned into action. 
And honestly, I didn't have anything or experience anything the past two days and was actually just going to move on. But the Lord reminded me of times that I've had haters. And maybe because I forgive and forget, I just didn't remember. But he's brought it to my remembrance. And it's just so clear to me that I remember working for this company for three years. And then I had to move out of the state to New York. And it turns out that that company was also starting a new facility in New York. I called to find out if I can be a part of that since I had already worked for them. And since they already knew me, they said yes. I thought I was an asset to the company because I had been with them for a long time, even though three years is kind of short. But I felt like I did a lot. And I helped them start up a different, a couple different other um, places and facilities. So I thought for sure that this, this would be good. Like I may be able to move up within this company. At the time when I moved to New York, I couldn't massage. It was like a break for me because they had very different qualifications, very different rules up there. So I decided to just not massage during that period and I would just work as the receptionist of the spa. In doing so, I saw there was a need for management. So I applied and I didn't get it, but yet they hired somebody from the outside, which I can understand. I thought maybe this person has more experience than I do. They were head of the Ritz Carlton. So, okay, cool. But I ended up having to train them, and I thought that was pretty odd. And even he said to me, you know, if you're so good at this, why don't you do this job? And I wondered the same. But as time went on, that guy quit, and then they hired another manager, and then I had to train that manager, and then that person quit, and they hired another manager, and I had to train that manager. I just could not understand for the life of me why they just would not hire me when I was the person who had to train them. So again, I put another application to be the manager. And I told them that I knew everything about the spa other than the back end. I didn't know anything about the paperwork portion or the payroll portion or anything like that. But as far as everything that happened in the spa, I knew everything everything every detail every software there's nothing you could tell me that i did not know and that's how i trained these people and yet they would not give me the job well what broke the camel's back as they would say was they brought in somebody else from a different location and she elevated the other receptionist above me and that was just so hurtful because guess who trained that receptionist? Yeah, I did. I knew more than her. Half the time she was asking me questions. And it hurt me even more that the receptionist accepted the job knowing that I wanted that position of assistant manager or manager altogether. It took a lot within me to not shed tears. I was angry and I was upset, but I did not want them to see me cry. 
I hate to say it, I did not pull a Gideon here where I reminded the receptionist of the goodness that the Lord has done in her life. Instead, I was very blunt in letting her know that I was not happy for her. I then went to talk to corporate and asked them, why have they gotten me to train all these people and yet have failed to give me the job? And reminded them of the good that I've done within the company. Well, their answer was, they didn't think that I would be able to handle the position because I had children and my family may be more important to me than my job. And I thought that was weird because that's not really their business or their call to tell me what they think that I can or couldn't handle. But I left it at that and decided that I was no longer going to work for that company. But I did make it to my car and I did break down and cry. And I did go to God to find out what in the world, why would you allow my haters to step over me like that? It's like I'm down in the bottom. But you know what? The Lord is good. A few years later, guess who opened up their own business? I did. And I was able to run it the way that I wanted to. And I was able to take in people from all backgrounds and be able to assist any and everybody with their needs. And if they couldn't pay, I was able to call the shots and say whether I wanted to work with them or not work with them, give them something free or not give anything free. And that just really helped me to put things into perspective for myself. Because truthfully, if I look at it from this perspective, God was more like Gideon now. <laughs> And I was the Ephraimites yelling at him. How could you do this? Why would you allow that? But thank you, Lord, that he knew what he was doing. And he was helping me to run a better race. And that is my story. If you too have a story and you're able to put it into action, you know what to do. It's important that we write it down so that way we have it in our remembrance. It's a great reminder of the things that the Lord is doing with us and for us. Day six of the sixth week. I hear his whisper by Brian Simmons and Gretchen Rodriguez. I hear his whisper, freely pour out my mercy. I long to be merciful to those who turn to me. My grace has restored your soul and your life's portion now overflows. I created you to be merciful to the guilty, gracious to the unworthy and kind to those who mistreat you. Freely you have been given these virtues, now freely give them away and watch them multiply. Never forget where you've come from. Never take my mercy for granted. Always remember that I alone am the one who has saved you from destruction. I love to take lives and change them with my glory. Now I want you to do the same. I want you to release my presence everywhere you go. Don't ignore my gentle nudges when you see those who need something you have. 
Don't turn your nose up at those who are in error or who are indifferent from you. I don't condemn the one who turns to me. I never withhold forgiveness from those who repent. Mercy multiplies when you take what I've given you and pour it out freely to those in need. Mm. And that is your weekly encouragement.